Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Stephen Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I want to just take a, a couple minutes this morning and sort of let the dust settle. You know, oftentimes in our life, God... Um, allows us to go through certain things so that we can help others. I think it's more of an emphatic empathy. Empathetic is probably the wrong word. An empathetic spirit that we can only get through experience. And if we don't go through it, the event that we're dealing with seems to be something that's distant and we can, we can see the person, but we can't really feel what they're feeling. It's, it's almost like intercessory prayer. You, you cannot have intercessory prayer without empathy and a burden because intercessory prayer means that you're picking up the load that the person's bearing and you're in prayer helping them carry it. And so God says, you know, church, I, I can not just have you be someone that looks from a distance. I want a church that feels what it says and, and feels the pain of the people that they're ministering to. He says, oftentimes I'm going to show you things that I'm going through and let you feel what I feel so that when you get to a place in your life that you're about to hurt me, you can understand what I need. Do you know that God needs things? I'm created in God's image. I'm created after his likeness. And what that means is some of the things that I experience, God has placed inside of me so I can understand him. Well, about several weeks ago, God allowed me to enter into a another experience that I, I wondered why I was so upset about what I was going through. And I was probably part of my flesh, but it showed me something about my nature. I had done a lot of things for someone or some people that I didn't want anything from them. I just wanted to help. But the amount of time and, and monetary things that I put into it, I didn't expect them to return. All I wanted was just a thank you. I just wanted them to acknowledge the gift that I had given them. And it bothered me when it didn't happen. And I, I, I remember how it just ate on me like a cancer. And I said, God, what is the matter with me? Am I full of pride? Do I, have, do I have to have a thank you for the things that I do? Is that why I do it? And I said, Lord, if that's true, forgive me. And the Lord seemed to speak to me. And he says, you know, I'm allowing you to feel what I feel. I serve my congregation. I serve the people that I love endlessly. Every day, every moment, I do things for them that they've come to take for granted. And 
It grieves me that I'm not asking for them to do something for me. I'm only asking them to acknowledge what I've given. And so then I understood. I said, well, well God, that must be it. Maybe I'm, I'm not giving you the thanks for the things that you specifically designed for me in my life. And then I went to the scripture, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. A thankful heart brings a joyful life. A thankful heart brings a joyful life. It's interesting. I, I, I came to the Lord in 1972, and I went to Bible college, and I spent my years there, and then I started pastoring in 1980. So I don't, I don't know how many years that is. It's 36 years, somewhere around there, that I've been a pastor ordained. And I am completely surprised how often I come across something in the Scripture that just blows me away. Uh, and I don't understand. And I, I've got, you know, it's sort of like uh, if you've got a talent, and I, I know that my son, he is so talented when it comes to putting things together that sometimes he looks for challenges. We call, we call him, um, well, I'm not going to call him, but this guy used to have a TV show where he collected junk. And uh, what was his name? Sanford. And Sanford always saw the good in what other people threw away. Oh, boy, if we could get that attitude in the church. All those things that society throws out, if we could be like Sanford and see, look inside that person, there's value there. But he has the ability to take things that are broken and he can, he can put them together. And I, I respect him, but I also am jealous of him because I, every minor task are difficult for me. But when it comes to Scripture, I come across things that to other people would discourage them, but to me it's like, oh, yeah. There's something there that I've never seen before. And one of these scriptures is this morning I'm going to talk about. It. It's found in Romans, the first chapter. And um, the other one is I should give you an assignment. Hey, can I give you an assignment? I haven't figured this one out yet. I haven't got the answer to it yet, but I think there's something there. We always quote 1 Thessalonians 4, and the trump of God shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise. You know that scripture? Did you notice that it says the last trump in front of it? It says the last trump. It just doesn't say the trump. The last trump will sound. And I got this crazy idea. I wonder what Paul meant when he said the last trump. I know John had the revelation of the trumpet judgments. Could it be the feast of first fruits, the trump that sounded there? But there's something in that verse, there's a treasure there that we haven't seen. And it may not excite you, but I know it's there. In a way, I hope I don't find out that it's the last trump of the trumpet judgments. That wouldn't be exciting to me because I want to be gone before that last trump there. But in this verse, in Romans, the first chapter, I'm going to read from verse 16 to verse 25. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Because we're going to be sitting a long time. I got 15 pages of typewritten notes. I just 
I'm just making, I'm setting you up because when I'm done in a half hour, you'll say, oh, Brother Kylie, we love you. But Romans 1, 16 through 25, Paul writes, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now, I'm going to get into the focus. I want to focus more in the next few verses. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it to them. Let me say it again. That which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. Now, we're going to get a clearer view of what that verse means in a few more verses. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. Do you understand what Paul's saying? The things of God are clearly seen around us in his creation. Even his Godhead is shown in the creation in which we live. being understood by the things which were made, even his eternal power in God, for so that they are without excuse. Notice there's no excuse. You could say, well, what about those poor people in Africa? I've heard that so many times. Why don't you go if you're so concerned? But God's creation testifies of his greatness and of his Godhead. Because it goes on to say, because, and this is where I want to focus this morning, because that when they knew God, these people that we're reading in the, about in Romans 1 knew God. That's what Paul said. They've glorified him, not as God. You can be seated. I don't want you to stand any longer. I got a few more verses, and I, I'm going to probably be ad-libbing here a little bit, and you'll be standing for a long time. And that stuck out to me. Because when I look at the depravity of, of what's mentioned in Romans, the first chapter, I said, those poor people could never have known God. How could anybody that knew God do the things that they're doing? But my Bible declares that these people are without excuse because they knew God and glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful that's a very important thing. The first step in spiritual depravity is an unthankful heart. And when I say thankful, I'm talking about honoring. If you go back and you look at that word in the Greek, it seems to, take, to have the same connotation as honoring your mother and father or being uh, respectful and grateful for your parents. They were not thankful And because they became vain in their imaginations, what that, what's that mean? What's vanity? Vanity is focused inward. Vanity is found in how you perceive yourself and put yourself before others. They became vain in their imaginations 
and their foolish heart was darkened. They professed themselves to be wise, but they became fools. And because of this spiritual decline, they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. And then it says, wherefore. That word means something, some action is about to be taken. Therefore, wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. It says that God did not restrain them. That's really what it means. God gave them up. They're unrestrained. He let them go their own way and follow their evil imaginations. But these people knew that there was a God, but chose not to acknowledge him nor be thankful for what he did. That's how it started. Who changed the truth of God into a lie. Now, see the decline? The, the spiritual depravity all of a sudden affects the truth, the word. They begin to manipulate their own imaginations, and then they begin to manipulate the word of God to, into something that it was not intended to be. And they worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever and ever. Amen. Who's the creature? Who do you think the creature is that Paul's speaking of here? The flesh, your humanity. They served themselves more than they served God. They worshiped the creature more than the one that was the creator. That's, that's almost uh, thanking the hammer for building your house. Without the, the craftsman, the hammer's a piece of metal that's useless. Only good thing it's for, used for is a, a doorstop. But the hammer, because it starts to see that it helped in the construction of a building, starts, if it's, I'm just using an illustration, becomes vain and says, well, look at what I've built. Look at the house that I created. No, you didn't create it. Any good thing in your life this morning that you've accomplished, any financial prosperity, anything that you've done, you cannot take credit for. Because it was God's strength working through you, giving you the wisdom and ability to accomplish what you did. But see, what happens is, our flesh does not want to acknowledge God. Because it's the same spirit that was in Satan, that's in the world. Satan said, I want to exalt my throne above his throne. In other words, I don't want to be under or responsible or reverent to anyone but myself. That spirit has entered into our world. It does not want to acknowledge God in anything that it does. And you watch, sooner or later, you will not be allowed to use the name Jesus. Well, you won't be allowed, but you're still going to use it. Absolutely. I remember when I got into chaplaincy, how strongly they would say, when you make a visit or when you're, you're, you're dealing with patients and uh, things like that, don't, don't use the name of Jesus. And if you have a conference or you're praying, don't use the name of Jesus because you're going to offend somebody. 
Well, let me tell you something. I, you need to understand who I am. I'm a one God apostolic, tongue talking, holy rolling, born again, heaven bound believer, and I believe that the name of Jesus is higher than any other name in all the world. Why wouldn't I use the power? All power is given unto me, but why wouldn't I use it? The Bible said the key to releasing the power of God in your life comes through his name. Whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do it all in the name of Jesus because it's his name that unlocks the power of God. But Satan says, don't use the name. Why? Because I don't want the power released. And a lot of chaplains, they fall for that. They say, you know what? I don't want to offend anybody. I'll tell you what, if I, I don't want to wander too far away. Steve, stop chasing rabbits. But I'll say it since I started it. If, if we had an Islamic cleric come, I would not be surprised for him to mention Allah or Muhammad. I would not be a surprise, would you? So why is it wrong for me being a Christian? To want to talk to th about the thing that has changed my life. Okay, that rabbit's gone. He's in the brushes again. I, I look at Pharaoh and Israel. And I look at how some people, if you go online, have you ever typed in, why does God, if he loves people so much, make it so people will not believe in him so they can he can judge them? Because I, I just went in there. I wanted to see what people said about that because I was going to use it this morning. It says, if God is so just and fair, why did God harden Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the, people, the children of Israel go free so that he could judge him? It's not simple. It's so simple. God didn't harden his heart. It was because of God that Pharaoh's heart was hardened. In other words, if I were asked Brother Hemingway to come up here today and I would ask him to hold his hands out, you know what I'd find? And I haven't looked at your hands, brother, and I'm just using it for an illustration because you're farther away than some of these guys that could get to me if they didn't like me. I would find calluses on your hand. Do you know how you form calluses? Now, calluses is a hardening of the skin. Calluses are developed by repeated use constant use or aggression on that particular area of your body. You build up calluses. It's God's way, in a sense, to protect the, the flesh or the tendons under your skin. Now, in a negative sense, every time that God comes and touches my heart, if I resist the touch, the skin gets a little tougher. Every time that God came to Pharaoh and said, let my people go, and he moved upon his heart, and Pharaoh rejected God's call and God's direction, his heart became a little harder. I, I love to play the guitar, but I won't because it hurts too much. Because to be a good guitar player, you've got to develop the calluses. It's the constant pain. But again, going back, every time God speaks to you and gives you direction, every time that you turn away from him, you develop a resistance, a tolerance for the moving of his spirit. 
So in the beginning, you were so sensitive, but each time you rejected God, you became less sensitive to the Spirit. And then some people say, I don't even feel God anymore. I don't know what's the matter with me. I, I don't feel him like I used to feel him. Is it possible? Because you have resisted him in the past so many times that you're no longer as sensitive to God as you were in the beginning. But everyone knows God at one time in their life. I began to think about this as, and even Pharaoh, he hardened his heart, his heart became so hard. And I looked at this, here the sea of, the Red Sea is divided. It's 200 feet in the air on the right hand and 200 feet on the left hand, and there's a little path that goes through the Red Sea. Now, if you were to come to something like that, wouldn't you scratch your head and say, that doesn't look right. Something's wrong here. But people that have hardened their heart, they're oblivious to the spiritual danger that they're in. People that reject God and turn God away over and over again, God can show, show them judgments all around them, but they don't see. They don't, it does not compute inside their mind because their hearts are hardened. But everyone, the Bible says, knew God. Now, it also says that to everyone is given a measure of faith. Now, do you believe that? I believe that. I, I, I see it not, in a, not only in a spiritual sense, but children have faith. From childhood on, they have faith. They have faith in Santa Claus. They have faith in Easter Bunny. They have faith in things that aren't... Oh, Sunday school's here. <laughs> but the things that aren't real. I went this last week, I went in for a checkup and they did a echocardiogram on my heart, see how things are going. And I sort of didn't have anything to do, so I watched the screen. Have you ever done that? Have you ever? And I was watching, there's four main, I, I learned there's four main valves to the heart. This is probably going to be more interesting to the guys and the girls, but it's like valves on an engine. Everything has to work together for the engine to run. And we think that, that the, uh, the engines that are in our cars are marvelous feats of, of man. <laughs> it's nothing compared to the human heart. And I watched my aortic valve going doop, doop, sealed, perfect, sealed, open, sealed, open. And then I saw the pulmonary, uh, the one valve, and that one went opposite. This one's going this way, this one's going this way. And then I looked at the mitral valve, and that one's doing its own thing over here. They're all four doing things at different times in perfect sequence so that my heart functioned and pushed the life-saving blood throughout my body so even my toenail gets nourishment so that it grows. And it goes all day long. You know, I... I and, and pardon me, but God is so awesome. And you look at this morning. If you were looking through your human eyes, you would see chairs and flooring and a pulpit. And you say, those are, those are substantial things. But you know what? God spoke the word and brought things that were invisible together to make things that were visible. The things that were created were created from things that weren't seen. Now, 
the Bible writer that wrote that verse had no idea that he was talking the truth because the molecular structure of this pulpit and of my body, it's made up of things that are spinning and moving. I look at our galaxy and our, 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 uh, the planets that are around us all spinning around the sun. Well, in a sense, that's a type of what's in my body because I have an electron, a neutron, and a proton spinning in my atom. And the configuration of these, these, the molecular structure makes up something that I think is solid. Look at the nuclear bomb. Look at how things were affected by the molecular destruction that took place in, in the fusion and defusion of, the, of that weapon. Power was released. So I guess what I'm saying is, technically all around me, things are in motion, but I don't perceive them. And I think about the details of, of, of the intricacy of God's creation. And Paul said, we can know God by the things that we see. I looked at, I looked at the radiologist, and, I, I, and I'm just looking at this echo, and I said, you know, I can't understand how someone cannot believe in God. I, I, it blows my mind. When I, I look at the human body, the eyes, and the things that we're capable of doing, the nerves, and all the things that go together, how can you deny a creator of something that is so marvelously and fearfully made? So Paul is saying that even God's creation, if that's all that people have, is enough to testify of his power and his wisdom. I, you know, I'm going to go on a little bit, and I am going to stop at a certain time, if God so wills. But <laughs> I slipped that in there. I didn't want to get God saying, like I would put him on, a, on schedule. Look at a tornado. I used to say I'd like to see a tornado, but I don't think I want to see one anymore. After living through the Eagle one, I decided, I remember when we had the Eagle tornado. I love storms. I was out watching the one last night on the patio. All right, I think I'm safe. Lightning's got to hit the roof, then it would have to travel, it'd have to go through the roof to get to me. <laughs> so I'm watching it. And I, I remember the night that we had the tornado and eagle, I went outside and I was standing outside the house and I said, wow, this is awesome, but it feels different. You know, like the pressure's feeling different and I remember standing out there in the trees and it was passing by less than a quarter of a mile away. Well, about a quarter of a mile, maybe a half a mile at the most. And the trees, the trees were going like this, not like this or like this. They were starting go like that, and I said, I don't think I want to stay out here anymore. <laughs> and I went down in the basement, and when I got up about a half hour later, and I saw the devastation, houses that were removed from their foundation, and the destruction, and even Jason's house was affected, and our mother-in-law's house, I began to realize how powerful something that is invisible is. It wasn't a wrecking ball that destroyed the house. It wasn't a steel ball. It's the same thing that's in this room. 
It's air. It was something invisible was powerful enough to destroy something that people thought was strong. God is invisible. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere, just like the air is everywhere. Why can't people understand the concepts of God through his own creation? Air is everywhere on the earth. Yes, it's still air. Even the air can become powerful and do things. It can cool you. It can also destroy things. So when I go back and I look at Romans again, man is without excuse because God has allowed himself to be seen in the things that he's created. Now, there'll be people that will try to duplicate it. The science will say, well, we've created life. No, nobody's ever created life. That's a lie. No one has ever created life. They've only manipulated life. And so just like the sorcerers in, in the time of Moses and Pharaoh, they tried to duplicate what God was doing. But there came a point when there was no more duplication. But why would a person reject God in the first place? Because in many cases, man has elevated himself above God. He has become the judge. Instead of the one that's standing ready to be judged, he judges the judge. Because man has made himself like God. Do you know what humanism is? Humanism, if you look at the definition of humanism, humanism is man is in control of his own destiny Man is not subordinate to anyone else but himself. Does that sound, and that's, that's something that is preached today or taught. Where did that come from? It came from a time when Lucifer fell from heaven when he said, I will be like God. I will not be responsible to anyone. But some people would say, well, you know, it's hard for people to become Christians because of their environment. How can we expect someone that's in a very bad environment to ever become uh, associated with Christianity? Well, let me tell you about a guy that became king in the Old Testament. Both of his parents were exceedingly sinful people. They were involved in idolatry and all sorts of debauchery. His parents were terrible. But this young boy named Josiah sought God and had a revival in his time. Even though everything was against him and even though his parents taught them, him not to worship God, he was still able to find God through the things that were around him and hear it, his voice. There's nothing that can separate you from God. The Bible says, who shall separate me from the love of God? Shall tribulation or persecution? Shall nakedness? How about peril? How about sword? For I believe that nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is found in Christ Jesus my Lord. So how do I get separated? Your first step is you become irreverent and unthankful. A person that is not thankful to God will take, uh, take advantage 
of God and eventually drift away. Neither were they thankful, but they became vain. And I, start, I started to think, as I, I thought this way a long time. This isn't something new to me. When I start my day, and I know you do too, because many of you have, know the scriptures just like I do, I always start my prayer with thank you. Thank you for another day. And some days are pretty lousy. When I was driving to work in a snowstorm, I wasn't so much thankful for the snow. And I didn't lie to God. I wasn't going to say, oh, thank you that I'm driving on ice and it's cold and freezing outside. I could say, thank you, God, for life. Thank you that I can fill my lungs with air. And thank you for the, the things that you've made available to me, to my church family, to, to my health, to all these things. But when you start to take them for granted, you stop coming to church. And a person that doesn't come to church to hear the word of God is the kind of person that does not want his character uh, revealed by God's word. I don't like, I, I have a wonderful dentist, I like her, but I don't like what she does to me. I had one dentist, I thought for sure she hated men. But I wasn't going to say anything while she had the drill in her hand because it would have probably got worse. But why do I go? Because I realize that if I don't go to the dentist, I'm going to get something that's going to hurt me in the long run, a cavity. Sometimes people don't want to go to the doctor. And you're, some of them are here. I ran into some guy, I've run into people all the time. Of course, I can't imagine it because they've actually given me a, my own chair at the office. This belongs to Steve Kiley. He's usually here, so don't take that chair. He's bought, bought it already, you know. But I go to the doctor because I want assurance that everything in my body is working properly. And I left after this, I had an ultrasound and an echo. After I got the results of the ultrasound, I said, Woohoo, great. They said, everything looks wonderful, except you need to lose weight. And I said, well, I've known that for a long time. <laughs> so what did the doctor do for me? It allowed me to get rid of any anxiety that I had concerning what was going on inside of me. When you come to church and you hear the word of God, the word of God is a discerner of a man's thoughts and of his heart. When the word goes through, it reveals what's inside your heart. Now, many people don't like to go to church because they don't want to see. They're no different than a person that refuses to go to the doctor because they don't want to be told that they have a disease. But when you come to church and it reveals your heart and you correct the things that might possibly be wrong, you walk out and guess what you've got? You've got peace. You've got peace in knowing that your heart is clean. Now, that's something that's happened in the scripture from all time. Like David said, search me, O Lord. See if there be any wicked way in me. I want to know. If there's something wrong inside God, I want you to show it to me. And then he says, wash me. In other words, take it away from me. 
that I might be white as snow and pure in your sight so that when I walk out of church, I can say, guess what? I am heaven bound. I'm right with God. Me and God are on the same page. We're walking together hand in hand. But if I don't sit under the word of God, and if I don't respond to the preaching, and I don't acknowledge his goodness, I only set myself up for failure, spiritual illness, and spiritual death. But again, the first symptom is seen in your unthankful heart, if that's what develops. The Bible says in Psalm 19, 1 through 3, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. You probably missed that. What it's saying is those things in the heavens preach a message. It says their voice is heard. Every star, every galaxy preaches a message. Its voice says there is a God. He is powerful beyond imagination. The things around us are preaching to us that God is great and God is compassionate. Nature itself declares the glory of God. I had a really wonderful time, and I didn't think I'd ever say this, but we went bird watching a couple weeks ago. And I really started to enjoy it. But the thing that, and no, we didn't bring guns. We were not allowed to bring guns or shoot anything. Believe it, you can look for birds and not have to kill them. I'm actually getting away from that more and more as I get older. I'd rather, I'd rather just go to the store and buy them because then I don't have to watch them suffer. But anyways, I marveled at all the different types and the beauty of the birds. And as I looked at some of the sparrows, I learned about sparrows, all the different types of sparrows. I, all th I thought they all looked the same. Brown sparrow, brown sparrow. There's all different types of sparrows. I says, that can't be a sparrow. My wife says, here, look at it in the book. It's a sparrow. And it revealed to me, and each one is born after its own likeness. I said, they're so awesome. It's like a beautiful portrait. These birds are so beautiful. How could, I could a person couldn't paint them as beautiful as they are in creation. Everything declares the glory of God all around me. I see God in the mirror. Now you're saying, how's that? I look at my body. I'm created in his image after his likeness. I look at this body and how intricate it is. And it declares to me that God, there is a God, and he has created and developed me. So everywhere I look, I see his handiwork. Unfortunately, people refuse to acknowledge God. What a slap in God's face when someone got up with the idea about evolution. How stupid that is. I don't know how, 
That's so insane. That yes, amen. To think that something as intricate as creation could come from chaos. And where did the chaos come from? But see, man is determined and professing himself to be wise, he looks like a fool. I know that Satan looks and he says, those people are so stupid. They'll believe anything. If it's in the newspaper and on CNN, they believe it. All we need to do is print it and have somebody stand up with that has a nice, solid voice and this is respected. But I want to tell you, let God be true and let every man be a liar. And I think this morning, I, I'm really saying to you that we need to acknowledge God in every aspect of our life and be appreciative for every little thing that goes on around us. Because God has strong feelings about being thanked or appreciated. Isaiah 5 says, How terrible it will be for those who call evil good and good evil. Let me give you an example. I'm going to come back to this. Adam and Eve, have you ever thought about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? About what really happened there? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was in the center of the garden. And Adam and Eve came, and they had to make a decision. God had denoted what good was and what evil was. But in man's humanity, they wanted to find out and express their own definition. Because Satan bribed them by saying, in the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll be like God, knowing what is good and what is evil. And they thought, well, if I could be like God, I could actually denote what is good and what is evil. And so they ate of the fruit. Well, things haven't changed. Because now man is doing the same thing all through generation to generation. Our Supreme Court is now telling us what's good and what's bad. It's not God's word dictating what's good and what's evil. It's man saying, this is good and this is evil. And the bad part is they call evil good and good evil. So they've twisted it all around to make the bad thing higher than the good thing. They want to bring God down to the level of man and then stand above God. And that's what happened with Adam and Eve. Man from the very beginning has always wanted to determine, to determine what is his good is for his good and what is for evil. But I want to tell you, that doesn't change what God has already put in place. And we're going to find out as we live longer that there's, it's going to be uh, more and more difficult because we are going to pass laws in our nation that call evil good and good evil and they'll expect us to obey those laws. Well, somebody said, well, what are you going to do? You're, we're supposed to obey the authority. No, you obey authority only as it follows God. Going back to Isaiah 5, and I think I'm going to close with this. How terrible it will be for those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute what is bitter for what is sweet. 
and what is sweet for what is bitter. How terrible it will be for those who are wise in their own opinion and clever in their own reckoning. How terrible it will be for those who are heroes of drinking wine and champions in mixing strong drink, who acquit the guilty for a bribe and deprive the innocent of justice. Isaiah is telling them it's not going to go good for people like that. How terrible it will be. You may, they may have, those people that do evil now may have a time of prosperity, but it will be, according to the word of God, very terrible for them in the future. So do that which is good and pleasing unto God, and not only will you have peace here on earth, but the path, that same path of prosperity will lead you all the way into heaven. Praise God. Let's stand together. You know what you should do? Maybe start singing that song in the morning. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and he has made me glad. So start your day off with that. Rejoice in the Lord. Be thankful to God. And watch how your whole perspective of life changes. You'll smile more. A thankful heart is a joyful heart. An unthankful heart is someone that becomes negative and ungrateful. One of the things that I see working with in not just the sheriff's department, but more in the sheriff's department than in the hospital is how people don't tell other people how much they love them and how much they respect them and how thankful for they are for them. Just recently, we had a, a young man who was someone I was the son of a guy that I know. I don't want to get into too much detail. And he committed suicide. And I, I know he's only 24 years old. Matter of fact, he had just come back from Afghanistan not long ago. He, and I, th I thought about how his dad didn't seem to be outgoing, the kind of guy that never told his kids that he loved them and that he was proud of them. I don't want to, I, I'm not good at that either. I wasn't raised in a house where we did that a lot. But I want to tell my kids how proud I am of them. I want to build them up. I want to tell them how thankful I am for all that they do for me and how they watch out for me because when I thank them, they realize that they're valuable in my life. So today, find someone and say it with sincerity and look them in the eye and say, you know what, I am so thankful for you. And then tell them why you're thankful so it's just not a generic sort of a thing you say. I'm thankful for you because you've always been there to listen to me. 
Because the same way it affects them is the same way it'll affect God. Lord, I know I don't say it enough, but I'm thankful for your faithfulness to me. You've never left me. You've been there when I've made goofy mistakes and done things I shouldn't, and you didn't just dump me on the side of the road. Thank you, Lord, for always forgiving me and always being there for me. I love you, Lord. I'm proud to be your child. I'm proud to be a Christian. I am so honored, Lord, to have your name in my life. I'm so appreciative. And you know what that does to God? He says, I love you. Thank you for telling me that. I know that you didn't have to, but when you tell me that, it makes me feel good. You can say about your children, oh, they know that I love them. Or the people around you, oh, they know that I feel that way. They need to hear it in the same way that God needs to hear it. Lord, I pray that in some way the message that you placed in my heart has found a way into the minds of those that are here, Lord. Help us to never take for granted the very act of self Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.